Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this week we are talking about Tales of the Jedi, just the Dooku stories for now. Tales of the Dooku, a little bit of good Dooku, a little bit of medium Dooku, a little bit of well done Dooku, all the flavors of Dooku this week. Mild Dooku, slightly spicy Dooku. Very spicy Dooku, like a little jalapeno scale with Dooku heads. Yeah. Oh, that was the thing. Like, listen, Star Wars Celebration, Anaheim, we said it many times. We didn't go to the Tales of Jedi panel because it was Saturday and we needed a break. Everybody else went to the panel and the whole rest of the weekend, all anyone was telling us was just like, I can't believe you guys didn't go to the Tales of Jedi panel. And remember, we were like, well, what happened? And people were like, Count Dooku. Young Qui-Gon. We're like, what? Yeah, I, I still can't believe it. And sure, if you go back through our old episodes, there's multiple times, maybe dozens of times, that I'm probably talking about how much I would want to see young Dooku and young Qui-Gon stories of the two of them together. And it really happened. And I'm still kind of in shock. I really am, too. It's literally like a dream because when we talked about that in the past, we were like, "That's, it's never gonna happen. That'll, yeah, that'll never happen. Never. There's no way. Maybe in a comic book. Maybe. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, too. If you've listened for a while, if you've just started listening, you've probably figured out, though, that we really love Qui-Gon Jinn, and we got a special sweetness for the Count Dooku, Lord Tyrannus. Always have... We're not forgetting about the Ahsoka episodes. We're going to have a whole episode on those coming out really in just a matter of days. Or if you're listening to this in the future, that's out there too right now. Can't wait to talk all about the Tales of the Jedi Count Dooku episodes. So let's start getting into it, right, Gabe? Let's start getting into Tales of the Jedi Count Dooku. We could, but it's still October. And if we... We're starting to forget Andor was here today, too, to remind us that it's still October. There's still a few more days, and it's still it's an Oktoberfest. It was the shocker of shocks when Snoke himself, Andy Serkis, showed up in Andor Episode 8 as Kino Koi, the leader of the, the prison group, the, the, the coach of their little team. Do you think that's actually Snoke? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is I spent a good amount of time watching the episode this morning contemplating that. If there's some way that this guy could be Snoke in some way, shape or form. I kept thinking about it. I was like, no, he's not going to be Snoke. But how could he? Maybe. Are they taking DNA from them at all? Maybe the electric floor, like, he gets electrocuted and grows a little bit every time he gets electrocuted. He stretches and stretches. Maybe, yeah, the Empire, they take him out to the mountain that we saw at the end of Bad Batch 1 for some crazy cloning business. Come on, Kino Koi. Or it's just like that. Remember the weird deleted scene in uh, in Terminator Three, where there was the, I think the general that looked like Arnold, but he had a different voice, and then there was the scientist that had the Arnold voice, and they showed the robot, and he was like, use his voice or whatever. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, Sergeant Candy. Yes, thank you. Right. So maybe it was that they're they're making Snoke, and they're like, well, he needs a spooky voice, and then they look through all the video of this prison, and then like there it is. That's the voice. You know what? Though I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> he got the he got his table to the top of the charts. So that's the voice of a leader. Let's put it on Snoke. A little, a little bit of Palpatine, a little bit of Kino Koi. Put it in the pickle jar and just let it sit on Exegol for a hundred years. Yeah. That's the voice of a fiery spit of hope. So, so if you've been listening to Snoketoberfest 2022, you know we've been focusing more on Snoke sounds. Well, and this is the final Snoketoberfest of 2022. Sadly, I know I know everyone's really disappointed. This is the last Snoketoberfest of the year. So it was appropriate to kind of think, well, did Snoke make a sound when he was killed, when that lightsaber cut him in half? And sadly, he really doesn't. But then that got us thinking, what if he did? Maybe he should have made a sound. And if he did, what would it have sounded like? I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see his mind. I see his every intent. Yes, I see him too. 
turning the lightsaber to strike true. And now, foolish child, he ignites it and kills his true enemy. Yeah, that's the sound. That's how it could have been. That's what could have happened. All his hopes and dreams going up in a, a flash of a lightsaber right there. That's the sound of it. Maybe there was the, the little bit of Kino Koi that was still left in the weird Snoke. You know, maybe Kino Koi was like actually in the middle of Snoke and Snoke really was just a giant puppet this whole time. But we'll never know. Or maybe in Snoketoberfest 2023. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of it. (laughs) Or we get to the center of it. We'll figure out what's in the middle of Snoke. I would love a Snoke marionette puppet. Imagine how... That is just like something waiting to happen. Well, maybe someday there'll be like the sequel trilogy live on stage musical. And that'll have a giant marionette Snoke that comes out and, and sings a song to Ray. Who's also a marionette puppet because she's floating around with the force. That's the Damon Lindelof movie <laughs> that there that came out. It's yeah. it's the sequel trilogy all with marionette puppets. Yeah. It's the only way to do the sequel trilogy justice. It, it may feature some characters from the sequel trilogy, but in marionette puppet form. The fans have been asking for it and the fans deserve it. Bring on the giant puppets. The high point of the show is in the middle, right before intermission. An actual helicopter brings in the Thala siren and and, uh, it lands on stage to do the Last Jedi scene. (laughs) So Luke can milk it on stage and then the helicopter flies it away. But like a miniature toy helicopter to lower the marionette Thalia siren. (laughs) (laughs) It's an Oktoberfest. When last we saw Ben Kenobi, he stood in a darkened hallway, face to mask, with the evil Darth Vader. With their deadly lightsabers at the ready, the two step forward for their final battle. Meanwhile, Luke and Leia are attacked at the edge of a giant chasm. Can the old Jedi defeat the Dark Lord? Don't miss the next amazing commercial for Star Wars. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Seriously, we are so lucky that we are getting things like Tales of the Jedi now. Like, I was thinking about that after I watched it. With Again, also, like, what a morning this morning. Like, honestly, we're recording this on Wednesday night. And, like, we had the longest episode of Andor ever. And then six mini-stories about Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku all just dropping at once. Like that's insane to think about. Yeah, it was, that's the most star Wars we've ever gotten in one dose. Isn't it? Because even with the final season of clone wars, that didn't drop all at once. That was once a week. Didn't the net, when it came to Netflix, the lost missions, I feel like that all dropped at once, but that was a whole different era. 
Yeah, that's a good point. You might be right. That would be the only other time. Because technically, the episode plus Tales of the Jedi is just a little bit longer than a, a Star Wars movie, but it was a lot. It was a big bag of presents, a big bag of treats. It was so much. It was too much to even like think about afterwards i was like i can't concentrate on anything it was like i'm trying to think about like that episode of andor and i'm trying to think about like count dooku and ahsoka and i was just like i can't do it like i can only think about one thing at a time here yeah i guess maybe it was uh it was almost like their their halloween treat for everyone and it was like we went trick-or-treating we went door to door we have a huge bag full of so much candy that we don't even know all the candy we have and now only after the fact are we like sitting on the floor and going back through our bag of candy and figuring out what we even watched this morning (laughs) so as everyone knows it's these these little mini stories six little mini stories three about ahsoka three about count dooku both of them telling very similar kind of stories, which I never, ever even really thought about of both of them being kind of lost Jedi that experience similar things in their stories, but end up in two different places at the end of their stories. And both of them weirdly kind of connected. Like I never really kind of put it together weirdly, like the the family tree of masters and apprentices from Dooku to Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan to Anakin to Ahsoka, that it begins with Dooku and it ends with Ahsoka. After I kind of calmed down this morning and was able to kind of separate all the things in my brain and put Andor in one place and think about Tales of the Jedi, was the more I was thinking about Tales of the Jedi, I was just, I don't know, blown away by it and just going into these deep Star Wars thoughts that the Dave Filoni stuff usually inspires. Yeah, and well, and then the whole thing too of like they're both Jedi who left the order kind of because in a way the order failed them and kind of were victims of the problems the Jedi order had, but contrasting the two of them that they both handled it in different ways. And even though they kind of both started from a similar place of just being kind of fed up with the way the Jedi order was in the Jedi council in particular. And that's kind of where they're the tree forked and they both went different directions. And with concentrating on the Dooku stories, like we are in this episode of blast points, it, what I love with what we see happen to Dooku in these stories is almost kind of that missing link of Dooku information of why really did he turn and why in the beginning of attack of the clones is everyone like no 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 not 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 count dooku like he's a good person and you see in these three little stories all the stuff that did make dooku abandon the jedi to to lose his faith to have this crisis of faith much like ahsoka and you see it in these Dooku stories and you're kind of like, yeah, it's like I kind of don't blame you. Well, and it's interesting, too, that he's almost it's a similar journey in a way to what happens to Anakin. But it's almost like in a way Dooku was much less selfish than Anakin was. And it's almost in a way even sadder that it turns out the way it does, because he does kind of begin on that path because he does want to help 
people and he does believe in the Jedi order. And it's not just, you know, wanting to keep one person alive. It's kind of wanting to fix the galaxy and help everybody. And like he does, Palpatine takes something kind of genuine in Dooku and slowly turns it into something else and eventually flips it all around. And now he's just killing people on command. Which, yeah, that kind of brings us to the first Dooku story, right? Justice, where this one is much farther out than the other two stories, where it's a much younger Count Dooku. It's a Padawan, right? It's still a Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And they're going, they're looking for this senator's son, this corrupt senator. They land on this, like, on this planet it's this whole weird scene where the people of the town actually kidnap the senator's son to kind of raise attention for how horrible things are on this planet. And they're put in this really kind of interesting situation where Dooku and Qui-Gon are called out for just working for the Senate, for being pawns of the Senate, which is this recurring theme throughout all the Dooku stories. And out of watching it too, I couldn't help thinking how much Dooku's teaching really did influence Qui-Gon Jinn. And that's something I never really considered before with the way Qui-Gon is in The Phantom Menace, where Qui-Gon is not concerned at all with being on the Jedi Council. Qui-Gon, like we talk about all the time with Qui-Gon, he is the uber Jedi. He is the balanced Jedi. He recognizes the light and the dark. I talk about it all the time, but it's the chance cube. The chance cube is the big moment where for any other Jedi manipulating the destiny of the chance cube to get what he wanted would be considered selfish and maybe tapping into the dark side. It's, it's a, it's a weird area. Instead of just like just letting the force play out and whatever happens with the chance cube happens, Qui-Gon's like, no, I'm going to manipulate this chance cube to get the goal that I want. Is that the Jedi way? But Qui-Gon is, in my opinion, still balanced. Well, that's the interesting thing with this first episode is Dooku is at his most Qui-Gon Jinn, but he has a temper that Qui-Gon Jinn doesn't have. And as the episode goes on, he kind of starts from really what we would think would be how Qui-Gon Jinn would have handled it. Like, he's not worried about the council. He's not worried about the senator. He's trying to follow the force and find out what happened with these people. And as he learns about what happened to these people, he is compassionate for them. He empathizes with them, and he wants to bring this all to a conclusion, and he wants to bring it to a peaceful conclusion. But when pressed... His anger comes out, and by the end, he's ready to kill everybody for a good reason. But that's where you kind of get the difference between the two, that that Qui-Gon still has that calm that Dooku doesn't. Well, and that's Qui-Gon has the battle meditation. You think of that, where Qui-Gon could have felt the rage with fighting Maul, and he stopped and he calmed himself down. He probably didn't learn that one from Dooku. <laughs> Dooku needed to learn that. But it made me also think back to our conversation we had years ago with the Mandalorian Season 2 episode, The Jedi, 
with Ahsoka and Din and Grogu. And I think we spent a good 45 minutes talking about how Ahsoka was acting more Qui-Gon in that episode, where the Ahsoka we're seeing in the new live action stuff, whether it's Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett and probably in the Ahsoka show, you know, if you think about it, she's acting more Qui-Gon. And again, putting that line together where Ahsoka is the end of the line and Dooku is the beginning. No, it's really great. It really is. And that it was, it's kind of like it was there the whole time and we just weren't, we didn't see it. And yeah, he started it and the Jedi Order and the the way of the council just wasn't for him. And that by the end, Ahsoka's in the same situation, but she learns from the mistakes of her masters and makes it the right choice and not the wrong choice that maybe it was for Dooku. And now she's, yeah, she's the new Qui-Gon. She's the new Uber Jedi, even though she's not a Jedi. She's a force user. She is a student of the force that you don't have to be a Jedi or a Sith anymore, that that's the old way and that's done. Well, if anything, she's a Jedi by actions, not by title. And, and that's going to go into like the next one too, but not by rules. It's like what Luke is talking about in the cave in The Last Jedi. That was the downfall of the Jedi. If you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, the legacy of the Jedi is failure, hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy. But you saw there was conflict inside him. You believed that he wasn't gone, that he could be turned. And I became a legend. And Luke in The Last Jedi, you know, by the time you get to the end, he's that balanced Jedi. And, you know, like we said, Ahsoka is. And you think of, we talked about it forever with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. You think of... Obi-Wan in Star Wars, A New Hope. We always talk about that Obi-Wan in A New Hope is more Qui-Gon. And again, it's that balanced Jedi kind of thing. And I, I love the last moment in this first one. Your actions saved many lives today. Just thinking in the moment, Master. Well then, you're a much wiser man than I, Qui-Gon Jinn. Thanks to your teachings. Well, it's all great, too, because I've always think of Dooku as the, like, evil twin to Obi-Wan. Like, they're both the the gray-haired old man version of the Jedi, but one is, like, the evil dark side version, and the other is the light side version. But really, the light side version comes from the dark side version because his master was Dooku's apprentice. So it, it's even more appropriate that they're kind of the mirror images of each other. When I like when when Dooku does show his temper in this one too, it's like we're like Qui Gon, like we're like shocked and we want him to stop, but it's not like Dooku is doing something he shouldn't do. Like that senator is like a jerk, and I really started going down like a rabbit hole of thoughts this morning where where I was like, well, is it bad? <laughs> like what Dooku is doing, he's. Like using the force to choke this person. And I guess if you go by the rules of the Jedi, that's bad. But this senator is a real jerk and he's ruining these people's lives. And is it, is he helping these people? Well, I think 
he's not doing the wrong thing until the very end when he's about to kill him. And that's when Qui-Gon steps in. That That's the Qui-Gon thing is you still, at the end of the day, all life is precious and he's not going to kill someone or something if he can avoid it. And at a certain point, it's like Dooku is defending those people and he's using the force for defense, but he, his temper pushes him over the edge. And at the end there, he's ready to take it to the next level and he's going to kill the guy. And that's, that's where he goes too far, but Qui-Gon stops him. In all of this, it's the running theme through all of them, the Dooku stories and the Ahsoka stories of the Star Wars, Star Wars thing of the, the master and apprentice relationship. And it's not just the apprentice learning from the master. It's the master learning from the apprentice, or at least it should be having Qui-Gon who is so chill and so I love how friendly young Qui-Gon is in this <laughs> kind of balancing out the fire of Count Dooku. And Dooku, you get the sense, maybe is appreciating what Qui-Gon is bringing to their relationship. Well, and they kind of keep that going with the other two episodes. And maybe we can remember to get into it when we get into the other two. But like, even when they're not together as master and apprentice, they're still kind of balancing each other out. And it isn't until Qui-Gon is killed that Dooku loses the balance that Qui-Gon gives him. And they even kind of, uh, while well, jumping ahead, when they, when they talk before Qui-Gon gets into the elevator, it's like Dooku seeing his apprentice grown up is like grounding him and kind of resetting his, it's almost like you can see him calming down because he sees you know his apprentice again and realizes that they have that kind of balance with each other and and it's you know when Qui-Gon dies that for good and bad pushes Dooku over the edge well and again it reminds me of The Last Jedi with what we are what they grow beyond with Yoda and Luke and the burning tree that it's it's another you know very Star Wars thing of how do you move on from something do you move on in a positive way or do you burn it all down? Master Dooku, are you all right? They grow up so fast, our students. Yes, it is the way of things. Indeed. So that, we should move on to the second one, Choices. It's Mace Windu, it's Count Dooku, they're going to Raxus to investigate the murder of a Jedi Master, Katri. Right away, I mean, we saw it in the trailers, Mace and Dooku together, but right away when they're in the ship together, I was just like, oh man, these two. Well, also it's fun because we're jumping through time and we got the youngest of young Dooku in the last one, and now we have like slightly older, the beards coming in, Dooku hanging out with Mace and... I think it's interesting to see as cool as Mace comes across that he's really kind of dull and he's just by the book. He follows the rules and him not thinking Dooku could do anything bad in Attack of the Clones is almost as much just Mace not really thinking anyone would do anything wrong as opposed to particularly about Dooku is the impression I got. Like Mace would probably say that about any Jedi. Like he just doesn't, I don't know, like, have any deep insight about the other Jedi. He just assumes that they all they all read the same book and they're following the rules. And it makes me think of the line in the third Dooku story 
they're talking about like the whole thing of the Sith Lord. And they're saying, you know, yeah, Qui-Gon always had quite the imagination, quite like you did, Count Dooku. And Dooku says something like, yeah, nobody here like even has any imagination anymore. You think of by the time of Phantom Menace, Mace Windu is second to Yoda. That's how much he moved up by just following the Jedi way. This is what we do. These are the procedures that we do. If the council tells us to do something, we do it and we don't question it and we follow the rule book. And again, that is not Count Dooku. That is not Jedi Dooku. And that is definitely not Qui-Gon Jinn. And that is not Anakin in any way. And it's not Ahsoka. And that's kind of where Obi-Wan was, where Obi-Wan was more like that. But then that's the great thing with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. We see him starting to come out of that. What is the process to going to come out of that? But we're talking about Tales of the Jedi here. And the second one, it's putting these two very different kind of Jedi together on this mission. And what happens when they go out on this mission and we have these two dueling Jedi philosophies on what the role of the Jedi is in the world. I mean, it really is. It's, it's Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan in a way with Dooku being Qui-Gon and Mace being Obi-Wan and them having the same mission, but completely interpreting it differently based on their philosophies of following the rules, doing only what is asked of us by the council versus following the will of the force and following where the information takes you. And again, in this episode, they are called puppets of the Senate. And it's just, you can tell it's just digging into Count Dooku. It's the crazy thing watching it where you're watching it and you're like, yeah, they shouldn't be puppets of the Senate because we know how the prequels go down. We know where this story is going and it's, you know, it's like watching it. You're like, Dooku's right. Yeah, he is right. And at this point, this is still before any dark side influence that he's he has the right intentions and he sees a problem and it's a real problem. He's, yeah, he's kind of in the right. And he says as much about what he is feeling at the end where even though the security people kind of ambushed and killed that Jedi in order to blackmail the Senator so that they can similar to what Dooku becomes of doing some bad things to make things better for more people, which is kind of where Andor is heading. Like that's kind of the rebels. (laughs) They're trying to make it better for everybody. I don't condone your methods, but you had every right to protect your planet Make sure your people don't lose heart and evolve so much. It is the only way you will truly have victory. I say that for all of us. And then what they get back to Coruscant, and Mace gets a promotion. He gets the seat on the council, basically for tattling on Dooku. And I love Dooku, like... As much as he says, you know, he doesn't want to be on the council, he's kind of, again, he's like, well, fine, I don't want to go to your party anyways. Well, and we, we got to take a break from from the deep stuff here to uh, remind everyone, if you weren't paying attention, we got to see Kiati Mundi with an outrageous hood on his outrageous robe. 
I literally this morning I was like, oh my god, it's Moondy. Oh, oh my god, it's Moondy. <laughs> like I forgot. I I wasn't even thinking we were going to get any Coyote Moondy no, and Moondy with a huge hood. Yeah, it's like Moondy wearing a cloak with a smaller cloak on his head. Like that's one of Yaddle's extra cloaks that they sewed on the top of his to be his hood. His hood had sleeves. It was so big. <laughs> it's like all the Jedi were getting their cloaks ordered. They're like filling out a form. And Moondy's like, you know, I need a triple XL. Have you looked at me? I'm Coyote Moondy. <laughs> He's not buying any baseball caps at Disneyland. I've got like, I have three brains. Have you read the comics? <laughs> I loved yeah, the whole funeral and everything and the Jedi Council. And oh, my God. Again, I was watching it this morning, though, and I was just like prequel renaissance. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is the most prequely prequel prequel stuff of all time. We're talking about, like, senators, and we're talking about Jedi Council drama. Who did, like, were you watching it this morning being just like, man, who would have ever thought? Somebody got out of a dropship in one of the episodes, and I, and, and I was like, yep, it's prequel ships, it's prequel stuff, it's clones, it's Jedis. Well, even, like, Kevin Kiner and the Kiner Brothers' music – it's so prequely throughout all the stories, like these stories, the Ahsoka stories, like the music is like prequel era Star Wars, very specific kind. It's just prequels. I, I'm just still like in awe and shock of the prequel renaissance. Yeah, the music was a nice treat as much as I'm absolutely loving the music in Andor. It was like putting on like a... a I was going to say an old pair of shoes, but old shoes are kind of nasty. Something old that's nice, like an old sweater yeah. <laughs> with with the yeah, the prequel Clone Wars style symphonic music. And, you know, even some of the late season Blade Runner sci-fi synth stuff. And it was just like all the greatest hits of the of the kinder music. Everything but Zeb Rocks they threw in. Yeah, I am adoring every single second of Andor, but... It's the same thing with like seeing screen wipes in Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. I was just like, oh, screen wipes. <laughs> They're back. I love screen wipes so much in Star Wars. So speaking of the prequel renaissance, that brings us to the third Count Dooku story, The Sith Lord. Oh, my God. Starting out right away where he's going into the archives using sifo code, and they're like, welcome, Master sifo I was like, oh, God. Is Dooku in there erasing stuff out of the archives, causing trouble? Didn't, I can't remember. It was just this year, but I can't remember. I feel like that was one of our missing questions when we did the Mystery of sifo episode for Attack of the Clones year here, and we were like, well, then who deleted the records? Right. Was it really sifo or was it Dooku? Because we, it still seems like sifo was maybe in agreement with Dooku on some of this stuff, maybe? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We d- we did that episode just months ago. I, I, it's all left my brain. I can't, I'm still, I'm confused. I feel like by the time we finished the sifo episode, I was like, I got it. I've got it now. And now I don't. It's gone. But... Thank you, Star Wars. Thank you, Tales of the Jedi, giving us bite-sized sifo stuff that maybe we'll be able to remember now. At least it was. Dooku was doing it. I think this, yeah, they warmed us up with the first two Dooku ones because this one is just pedal to the metal, all-out prequel Dooku 
nonsense, ridiculousness, awesomeness all crammed together because, yeah, right from the beginning of this episode, Phantom Menace is happening. We're in Phantom Menace. Killed me. That killed me when he's like, what's all this chattering going on? And, yeah, what Jocasta knew is like, oh, you know, Qui-Gon said he fought a Sith Lord on Tatooine. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, we are in Phantom Menace. Dooku is there. He's a little little less gray, a little bit grumpy, and he's already working with Darth Sidious during Phantom Menace. But what I love in this one, the Sith, there's so much to love in the Sith Lord. Dooku has a lot of regrets about what he's doing. It's like Dooku is with Palpatine because he's confessed to Palpatine his true feelings about how he feels about the the downfall of the Jedi. He's having, again, like this crisis of faith where part of Count Dooku, like the Qui-Gon part of Count Dooku, knows this isn't good. Has he started down the dark path that will forever dominate his destiny? In the beginning of this episode, I don't think he has. He's in conflict. You know, I sense the conflict within you let go of your hate. But then it made me think of something else that's puzzled us for 20 years, the scene and Attack of the Clones with Obi-Wan in the floating thing. And when Dooku comes in, and we always said, why does Dooku tell Obi-Wan everything he needs to know, the truth about what is going on? And Obi-Wan doesn't believe it because... Here he is with Qui-Gon Jinn's student. That scene now, you can look at it as good Dooku coming through. Yeah, it's well, it's good Dooku reaching out to fill the hole that Qui-Gon filled of being like his balance of like the thing that kept him from his worst impulses. And that's where at the beginning of this episode, Qui-Gon's still alive and Dooku is still conflicted. He's doing what he's doing because he believes in the Jedi as a and the Force as a whole, but not the current order and the council and all that. But as the episode goes on, and as soon as Dooku finds out that Qui-Gon is killed, all of that balance goes out the window. And yeah, it makes sense in Attack of the Clones when when Obi-Wan shows up, it's like there's a little glimmer of, of light again. And, and he's like reaching out for someone to, to kind of give him some perspective. But unfortunately, Obi-Wan doesn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> and I never thought about that either, that Dooku's whole point, if the Jedi Council, specifically Mace Windu, would have taken Qui-Gon Jinn seriously when he, instead, when he said, I encountered a Sith Lord, on Tatooine, I have no doubt that this was a Sith Lord. And they brushed it off. But if they would have been like, oh, wow, a Sith Lord, we've got to investigate this. We're going to send a squad or something, you know, to go take care of this. And, you know, if there's one Sith, there's another Sith. we got to get serious here. But they blow it off. It isn't until after the Clone Wars where they start to kind of really take this whole thing seriously. So, again, Dooku was right. They should have listened to Qui-Gon Jinn, and Qui-Gon Jinn could have been alive. And then, this, this is all the things I was thinking about this morning, where I was like, well, 
if they would have done something about Darth Maul, if Qui-Gon Jinn would have lived and if Qui-Gon Jinn would have been Anakin's teacher, his master, then would Star Wars have even happened? Or would it, you know, would the Jedi have just gone on being cool and, you know, would Anakin and Padme raise Luke and Leia in the lake country on Naboo and show, take them through the glass blowing guy and stuff. But yeah, all through this episode, it still kind of makes it seem like up until the very end that, I mean, Dooku was working with Sidious through Phantom Menace. So like, even if they would have listened to Qui-Gon and went after Maul and, you know, Dooku was still, Dooku knew what was going on and that there was a Sith Lord because he was working with him. But it did almost seem like he was not 100% truthful with Sidious and was still kind of almost playing with both sides. That he might have actually killed Sidious and not went full evil. Because there's even the part after he confronts Sidious about why he did he have to kill Qui-Gon and he says he could have been a powerful ally. He could have been a powerful ally. For you, perhaps. You question my loyalty? Always. Because probably at that time, maybe that was Dooku's plan to, that, you know, he would have brought Qui-Gon in and like, hey, there's, there is this Sith Lord. He's trying to take control of things. We got to take him out. Well, think of how that echoes with Anakin. And even like just a few episodes ago, we're talking about Luke's death blow. Yeah. It, the wording of powerful ally, that's what, Palpatine said Luke could be. Well, and I think that's the crazy thing is I feel like that's kind of like the thing, you know, when there's the Sith and there's two of them and the, the, the apprentice always tries to get someone to help them overtake the master so they can be the master. I almost feel like in this case, at least at this point, that Dooku, when he was talking about Qui-Gon, was sincere and it wasn't because Dooku wanted to kill Sidious to have his power that there was enough good Dooku and, and good Dooku combined with Qui-Gon could have resisted the temptation to take the ultimate power away if they killed Palpatine. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I believe Dooku this time. Maybe when he was asking Obi-Wan, he was a little too far gone and they would have, you know, it was more like Vader asking Luke to join him. But I don't know. At this point, it's still, and, until the, the Yaddle fight, it felt like Dooku was still, the good Dooku was still there. Well, and if we saw Dooku all the way back when he had young Padawan Qui-Gon, and if he was able to manage the dark side, if Dooku thought of himself as balanced, kind of like the way Qui-Gon is, like I can use the dark side to an extent when I need to for the right goal, maybe Dooku thought, yeah, he could control this. And like you said, maybe eventually he could either kill Palpatine or tell the council about it but once yaddle is there which again it's so outrageous that we got this serious serious jedi story with yaddle if someone would have told us this five years ago we'd been like you're high on drugs there is no way we're getting a yaddle story yeah in, in 15 years there's going to be an animated 15 minute show it has Qui-Gon, it has young Dooku, it has Yaddle. It's going to explain Sifo-Dyas. It's going to explain how Kamino's missing, and it's going to explain why Yaddle 
is never to be seen again after the Phantom Menace. Yaddle was like a weird joke. Like when the Phantom Menace came out, Yaddle was like in the visual dictionary. And if you looked in like the corner of the screen in the movie theater, you're like, is that like a Yoda with hair? Like what? is that and now Bryce Dallas Howard is like delivering these like serious lines as Yaddle having serious conversations talking to Count Dooku about the tree the force tree Bryce Dallas Howard doing her best old lady voice yeah talking to good Dooku about the Jedi tree that we see good Dooku in Yoda's flashback memory thing from Clone Wars it's like good Dooku's always hanging out at that tree and we get our last moment of good Dooku in a way in front of that tree. But I love Yaddle talking about, and I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched it, only the second time, where Yaddle says that she herself stepped down too. That Yaddle's just like, yeah, I'm out. Everyone else is going to Qui-Gon's funeral on Naboo, which I thought was outrageous. But then Yaddle's like, no, I, I'm leaving the order because I think this whole thing is bad. She's like, I'm on your side, Count Dooku. Almost like it doesn't have to be this way. The answer is not the Sith. But once you start down the dark path, forever does it dominate your destiny. And Luke and Yoda, is the dark side stronger? No, but quicker, easier, and more seductive. Well, and again, it starts with Dooku's convinced he can take out Sidious. He can save the Jedi. He can take out Sidious. He can get away unscathed and he starts to think, well, okay, now Yaddle knows and she's ruining my plan. So it's almost like even if his ultimate goal was to get rid of Sidious, her showing up too soon. Yeah. Gives him enough concern to where, yeah, this falls right into, (laughs) right into Palpatine's lap there. So many Palpatine smiles in this part under his cloak. I love Palpatine just standing back and watching the whole thing. And it was like Ian McDermott, too, just being so subdued and just watching the whole thing go on. And I was thinking about it, too. I was like, man, Palpatine goes straight from this to Qui-Gon's funeral. Think about that. Because, like, the whole Jedi Council was going to Naboo. So Palpatine's got to be like, okay, cool. I got a new apprentice. Now I got to go be kindly Senator Palpatine and I got to go to Qui-Gon's funeral and stand there and watch him burn and then go watch Boss Nass get a blue ball at this parade with all the Gungans and everything. Uh, Yeah, so he's sitting there watching Qui-Gon burn, thinking about Dooku fighting Yaddle just hours before. And if you listen to just the audio in the Dooku... Yaddle fight because I love the Duke. There's that fake out Yaddle death where you think Yaddle's crushed by the giant attack of the clones door, and then she survives. She has that great moment where she lifts the door and then kind of falls. But Dooku already thought he killed her. So Dooku again, he started down the dark path, and then it sure seems like Dooku cuts off Yaddle's head. And again, if you listen to just the audio. The sound is exactly the same sound as Revenge of the Sith. Well, and it's extra, extra, I guess, heartbreaking because Dooku gets almost a second chance there, right? Yaddle has her second chance. The light comes in. Dooku has a chance. One more chance to resist the dark side. And at that point, yeah, he's 
he's too far gone. Well, I love that. Like you said, the symbolism of the light comes in, you know, the light of the Jedi of Yaddle raising the door and the cloudy skies of Coruscant, Coruscant actually allowing some light into that room. But no, it's quickly it's done. And Dooku is now like the title, the Sith Lord. <sighs> so I, I don't know. Dooku will never stop being fascinating. Gabe, how? Overall, with everything we've talked about, with everything we've seen in these Dooku stories, how has your opinion of Count Dooku changed as of today? I, yeah, I think I have a better idea of what was good Dooku actually like. And it makes sense kind of how he ended up where he ended up, that it wasn't just overnight that, you know, I'm going to go hang out with Palpatine and and be evil like it's like it always is. He started with the best intentions and he was trying to make good choices, but some of his good choices were not good choices. And before he knew it, he was in too deep. And then, you know, he's stuck. But yeah, I mean, I always thought Dooku was an interesting character and now he's even that much more interesting and just the seeing the kind of how much, Qui-Gon influences Dooku and Dooku influenced Qui-Gon. And, and like we've been saying of the whole, the line from Dooku to Ahsoka is just, you know, it's just really cool that we got these little, little tidbits that in such a short amount of time kind of changed how we think about a whole bunch of stuff uh, in Star Wars, which is always the best new stuff when it can come in and kind of change your thoughts on the old stuff. required batteries not included you can pretend you have powers when you switch on kenner's star wars lightsaber ready to feel the force switch on your star wars lightsabers close your eyes and go i got it me too zach you passed the test the force is with you the star wars lightsaber new from kenner balloons not included And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. podcast reviews when you get done listening to this episode we would love it if you would go over there if you listen on something apple write something nice about blast points so more people can find the show when they look up star wars podcasts and if you listen on spotify leave us a five star review over there too 
And check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And make sure you're following us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of our Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where every weekend we have our Andor recap episodes. In just a matter of days, we're going to have our recap for Andor Episode 8, where I'm sure we'll be talking even more about Kino Koi <laughs> and all the crazy madness that is going on in Cassian Andor's very bad day, or very bad month, more like that's going on in that episode but yeah that about wraps up number 333 here tales of the jedi the count dooku stuff again like we said in the beginning of the episode stay tuned because on tuesday or just a matter of days whatever we're gonna have our episode all about the ahsoka bits of tales of jedi which are pretty darn cool also and quite a bit to talk about with the ahsoka stuff and there may be something else coming out Later this weekend, too. I don't know. We got a lot going on these days over here at Blast Points. It's a Star Wars avalanche. Star Wars is falling from the sky constantly. And we're outside with big buckets trying to catch it all. Running frantically (laughs) trying to catch it all in our big buckets. And it's wonderful. But we're so tired. (laughs) So we're we're trying to stay alive here. Think of us. Say a little prayer for us at night. I hope Jason and Gabe are okay because they got a lot going on right now. (laughs) So send us some pizos, the green ones and the blue ones. We we need a lot of pizos. We need. (laughs) Listen, about a week from now, maybe you'll understand. We need a lot of pizos. So yeah. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will be talking to each and every one of you very soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.